we are so thrilled you're here today. We are continuing our teaching for the month of July, talking about this idea that your story matters. And it's sort of this big idea to say every single day, every day matters because over time, how we live today and tomorrow and next week and the next month, all of those things form the story of our lives. And so if you're to fast forward, hopefully a long time from now, one day people are gonna gather and they're gonna tell the story of your life. And they're gonna talk about your hopes and dreams, what you stood for, what you lived for. And so the idea is that if you know that day's coming, then we can live more intentionally today, that we can live in such a way that we are writing the story that's gonna be told about our life and that we can live a better story, that your story matters, that the way that you parent matters, the way that you lead people at work matters, the way that you relate to your friends matter, every single aspect of your life matters. You're not an accident, you're not an afterthought, you're not some addition, you're not some mistake, you matter. And the way that you live really does matter. And so week one, we talked about the journey mindset. We said Christianity and the spiritual life is not an event. It's not just this one-time moment and then you're done. It's this idea that if we're not dead, then God's not done with us. And so it really is a journey. It's this idea that the longer we live, the more like Jesus we'd become. And so what we said is success in the journey is not perfection, but progress. Success in the journey is long obedience, in the same direction, staying committed to becoming more like Jesus. So that was week one. Week two, last week, was all about heaven. And if you're here last week, I told you that was the message I felt least qualified to talk about because how do you talk about heaven in one message? But whatever about that really resonated with people and it's probably the most shared message that we've seen in a while. And so if you missed that, I wanna encourage you to go back on our website and check it out because really what we believe about heaven impacts the story that we live today. And so if you've ever felt heartache and isolation and alone and that all, all of those sorts of things, this message is primarily for you to say, we're not home yet. Next week, I can't wait for, because next week is a super practical message. It's really designed for those of us that, that are great at starting something, but not so great at finishing it. Anybody not afraid to admit that? Anybody started painting a room, but never finished it? Started decluttering the house, never finished. If you've ever started something, and never finish, this message is really for you to say that there's something that you're meant to do. So I wanna encourage you to come back, but today I wanna to be super practical. Today's message is called the role you play. And so when I talk about this idea that your story matters and the way that you live your story matters, the way that you're a parent matters, the way that you're a spouse matters, the way that you relate to friends matters, well, one aspect of all of those things is how God uses us in this thing that we call the church. Now there's the local church, there's Sugar Hill Church, but there's also what we call, for lack of a better word, the big C church, the global church of what God's doing around the world. And every single one of us has a role that we play in it. And so today, if you have a Bible, or if you wanna follow along on the screens or in the app, I wanna invite you to look at Ephesians chapter four. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul, who was changed by Jesus in a radical way, begins to write to these churches and he begins to talk to them about what does faith look like when it's actually lived out. In fact, if you've never looked at the book of Ephesians, it's a little letter that is so, so powerful. In Ephesians one, two, and three, Paul talks about who we are in Christ. He talks about this new creation that we are. He talks about how at the moment of salvation, God changes us from the inside out. So Ephesians one, two, and three is super heady and it's really, really important truth. And then by the time you get to chapter four, he begins to shift gears and he begins to say, here's what it looks like when you live it out. Here's what it looks like when you recognize what God's doing and you begin to live it out. And in Ephesians chapter four, he begins talking about the role 
that every single one of us plays. If you were to have to leave today, if you're to have to sort of zone out, or if you're like Miss Betty who told me right before the service, she's like, I got up really early, so if I'm not off, don't blame me for it. I just called you out. Laura's gonna elbow you, right? Is that all right? Uh, if, you, if, you, if you miss everything else, here's the big idea that you've got a gift that God's given you. And you are more fulfilled and the church is healthier when you discover that gift and you live it out. Honestly, this could be the cure for people that have known Christ for a long, long time, but over the years have never put their gift to work and they've ended up cranky and they've ended up critical and they've ended up, man, somebody ought to do something about that. And the truth of today is that somebody might be a someone and that someone might be you, it might be me when we put our gifts to work. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4, and then I want to give you some real practical handles to think about the role you play. Here's what he says in Ephesians 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life that is worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And I wish I could say that to every single one of us in this room and for everybody watching online, that if you know Christ personally, there's a calling on your life. There's something you're meant to do. You're not an accident. You're not just filling space. You're not just sucking air today. There's something, there's the calling of God on your life. There's something you're meant to do. Verse two, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. He's like, look, give some people some slack. Hey, let up on some people. Give them some slack in love. Verse three, and make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all, he is in all, and he's living through all. Then listen to verse seven. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And so Paul's being really practical. He's, been, he's taking some theological truths from the first three chapters, and he begins to say, this is how you live it out. This is what a healthy body looks like. This is what a healthy church looks like. This is what a fulfilled life looks like. He says in verse seven, you've been given a gift. So if you've got a handout today, if you've got one of the bulletins that were given to you on the way in, I wanna invite you to jot down a couple of truths about this idea of this gift and the role that you play. My hope is, this would be super practical. And truth number one, when it comes to this gift, number one, it is born in the spirit of God. It is born in the spirit of God. In verse seven, he says this thing about it. He says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ himself. And so this idea of the gift is that at the moment of salvation, the moment, if you've put your faith in Jesus, there's been a moment that you've turned from your sins and you turn to him. There's been a moment like Andrea's testimony that you've asked him to step out of heaven and step into your heart. He's placed a gift inside of you. There's something you're meant to do. It has the fingerprints of God on it, that it's something that God's made you for. It's something that God wants to do in you. It's something that you can't do on your own. That's why I say it's born in the spirit of God. Let me give you a sort of a working definition of what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to all believers to do God's work on this earth. 
Let me say that again. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. So it's an ability that God places inside of us that maybe we don't ordinarily don't uh, have the uh, aptitude for it or we don't have the wiring for it. It's a supernatural ability given to all Christians. So every single Christian at the moment of salvation, he gives you at least one gift to do God's work on this earth. And so today, as we think about this, it's this idea that God's given every single one of us uh, a gift to make a difference first in his church and then in the world around us. It's a gift from God himself. Now, chances are, when I started talking about spiritual gifts and the role we play, depending on your background, you've got something in mind when I talk about spiritual gifts. There's a lot of misconceptions about gifts. So let me rattle off uh, some things that gifts are not, just to clarify what I'm not talking about. Number one, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not natural talents. Uh, sometimes people take their natural ability and at the moment of salvation say, well, this is my spiritual gift. They're not necessarily the same thing. You were born with natural abilities and at the moment of salvation, you're born with spiritual gifts. Can God use your natural abilities? Absolutely, but there are times that people are gifted with something they weren't born with, right? There are moments where you operate out of a gift that isn't a natural ability. And I'll tell you more about that in a second, but it's not the same thing as a natural talent. Number two, spiritual gifts are not given to the elite few. They're not given just to a few. God's not up in heaven saying, all right, you get a gift, but you don't get a gift. No, they are given to all believers. They're not given to an elite few. They're given to everybody. It's a gift from God himself. Number three, spiritual gifts are not a sign of maturity. They're not a sign of maturity. Sometimes people think, well, um, only the mature believers get them. Only the super spiritual get them. Only the people that uh, spend five hours a day in scripture, get them. And in some circles, there's this idea that only certain people get certain gifts, but here's the truth. They're not a sign of maturity. They're not a sign. Uh, God's not doling them out haphazardly. Man, God gives them out. They're not a sign of spiritual maturity. Number four, spiritual gifts are also not the fruits of the spirit. In scripture, we read about the fruits of the spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These are all fruits that God produces inside of us. It's the idea that the more you spend time with God, the more we act like him, the more we hang out in God's word, and the more we spend time in prayer, and the more that we're in Bible studies, the more that we're shaped by God on the outside, he forms his fruit on the inside of us. So the hope is the longer we live, the more fruits we would show, that we'd have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. Sometimes people confuse those with spiritual gifts. And so if they don't have that wiring, if they're not showing that fruit, they'll say, well, I've got a free pass. I don't have that gift. I don't have the gift of love. Or, and it's not the same, it's not a gift, it's a fruit. That the longer we walk with them, we should exhibit these fruits. And here's the last one, number five. There's so many more we could say, but just boiling it down, number five, spiritual gifts are not something to fear. They're not something to be afraid of. I sort of grew up in a culture where all, when somebody talked about spiritual gifts, they sort of put a spotlight on the abuses of the gifts, some of the crazy stories and things. And so because of that, and the, sort of the culture I grew up in, people didn't really talk about gifts because they're sort of afraid of it. And I, I just wanna say, these are not something to be afraid of. They're not something to walk away from. These are gifts from God himself. So here's the idea that God's given you a gift and it's born in the spirit of God. It's something that God's wired you to do. And just like you, when you give a gift to somebody, you expect them to open it. You expect them to use it. You are fulfilled when they take that gift, they unwrap it and they put it to work. And that's similar to our spiritual gifts. 
uh, a few years ago, uh, my Aunt Sue, she's uh, super creative and she comes up with fun ideas for gifts all the time. Well, uh, a few years ago when it was Laura's birthday, my aunt sent her a card with a check inside and the check was made out for $1 for every year that Laura had been alive. So this check was, I think for $31 at the time. And my wife is one of these strange people that loves the card more than whatever the gift is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you ladies are really sentimental. Laura opens the card. She's like, this is gift number one. And she's serious. She looks at all the underlines, all the circles, although I might get in trouble. She wasn't in the first hour, so I got away with it. But uh, <laughs> so she opened the card. She's like, this is so great. And then she saw the check. And of course she appreciated it, but she really loves the thought more than whatever's in the card. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I get a card, I'm like feeling it. Is there a gift card in there? Where's the gift card to? Is that too honest? Is that too honest? Pray for your pastors, right? And so she opened the card, she read the card, she saw the check, but she went back to the card. Well, a couple weeks later, my Aunt Sue emailed me. She's like, hey, did Laura get her car? Yeah, 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 she loved it. It was very thoughtful. Well, did she get the check? Yeah, 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 she got the check. And like another couple weeks go by, uh, is she gonna cash the check? <laughs> and maybe another month or two went by, has she lost the check? And so here's a check, $31. It's a gift from my aunt to Laura, and it's meant to be used. And so Laura, because she cared more about the card than the check, the check was somewhere. We, we had to find it. I mean, it was just sort of tucked away. And I'm thinking, $31, what could I do with $31? I could go to Carabas and get the Polo Rosa Marie. <laughs> I could go to Starbucks and I could get two drinks. She could go to Target and have a field day. I mean, here's a gift that was meant to be used. It had great value, but it wasn't being tapped into. Are y'all tracking with me? God himself has given every single believer a gift. And the purpose of that gift is to be used in the body for the good of the world. And if we don't learn or discover what it is, there's something missing. And I would even say there's frustration inside of you. I would even say that the body isn't as healthy as it should be. Number one, your gift is born in the spirit of God. Number two, as we think about these reminders, and again, this is meant to be super practical today, is not only is your gift born in the spirit of God, but number two, it becomes the basis for your service to him. It becomes the foundation. It becomes the platform. It becomes... The, the, the way that you serve within the body, because as Paul's writing this and he's talking about this idea of gifts, he says down in verse 12, and, and, and in this chapter, he's talking about different kinds of gifts and he's talking about different kinds of leaders. But here's what he says in verse 12 that I think is true for all of us. He says in verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do God's work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So this is the goal of the gift. The goal of the gift isn't to say, hey, it's all about me. The goal of the gift isn't to become arrogant because of it. The goal of the gift isn't to say, man, look at me. I've got this gift. 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 The goal of the gift is to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ. It's not about building ourselves up. It's not becoming spiritually arrogant about our gifts. It's not about saying, hey, look at all the good stuff in my life. No, 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 no. The gift is from God himself placed in your life to use within the body. And when you do that, 
you are more fulfilled and the kingdom is more fruitful. When you put your gift to work and you figure out what it is and you figure out, hey, what is my gift? What is my gift? What is my gift? You will feel fulfillment through using it and you'll also see tangible fruit because anytime you put that gift to work, you are extending the work of God in the church and around the world. And so sometimes when I talk to people that volunteer around here, they'll say, well, uh, I just, and then you fill in the blank of where they serve. Well, I just do this or I just do that. And I wish as a pastor, I could get rid of that little, clear, that modifier, just, I just, I just do whatever. Because the truth is every single job in the church is so important that we need everybody serving together. The only way Sugar Hill Church becomes the healthy church that God wants us to be is when everybody's in this together. There's not some gifts that are more important than other gifts. There's not some gifts that are better than other gifts that every single one of us take the gift that God's placed inside of us and we put it to work. And when we do that, we're extending God's throne into this world and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what my gift is. And there's a lot of ways to start getting at what your gift is. Uh, but one of the ways that I found is just to try it out. I mean, just to try it out. Sometimes we get paralyzed. Well, I don't know what my gift is, so I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna sit back and watch and watch and watch and watch. But man, there's a lot of ways to get at it. But let me give you an illustration. I actually gave this illustration a couple of years ago. So some of you that have been around, maybe it'll be familiar to you, but I heard a lot of feedback over the last couple of weeks and especially the last couple of years, I've heard some feedback, some critiques, if you will, on my messages that I talk a lot about Mexican food. <laughs> and I talk about salted caramel cupcakes too much. So for this illustration, I'm not gonna talk about Mexican food or salted caramel cupcakes. I'm gonna talk about donuts. <laughs> so this morning I stopped by Best Donuts in Buford. That's a pretty cool name for your business. Like out of all the names you could have chosen, you're like, no, these are the best ones right here. I stopped by Best Donuts and man, it's so fun. I haven't looked in this box to see what, uh, should have pre-opened that as I rip it on stage. So there's um, red velvet donuts. There Earlier, there was a maple glazed bacon donut. There's coconut donuts. There's strange looking donuts. <laughs> but imagine, what's that? No taco donuts in here. No queso either, we should work on that. So imagine I walk in here with a dozen donuts and I'm coming, scrolling across the stage with these donuts and then I trip and fall and all the donuts come tumbling out. The way that you see that scenario might help you determine what your spiritual gift is. Let me tell you what I mean. For instance, if I were to come rolling across here with these donuts and all of them fall out, some of you would be like, I told you that's gonna happen. I saw that coming a mile away. I mean, who do you think you are walking across stage with a dozen donuts? I mean, I could have told you you were gonna drop them and make a big mess. How many of you, that's you, you're not afraid to admit that? Maybe you wanna elbow the person next to you if that's them. If that's you, you might have the gift of prophecy. You're like, I see it black and white, right? I saw it coming. For some of you, you would jump in. I mean, you'd get up and you'd come up here and say, hey, let me help you clean this up. Here's a napkin. Hey, let me, uh, let me get the trash can. If that's you, you might have the gift of serving. You're like, I'm just gonna jump in. For others of you, you might sit back and say, well, actually, Bobby, I have researched the best way to carry donuts across the stage. And there's four simple steps. And they all start with the same letter. Number one 
If that's you, you might have the gift of teaching. For some of you, you might be like, man, I feel you. That's happened to me before. In fact, I'll drop my donut now so that you don't feel alone. If that's you, you might have the gift of encouragement. Some of you people might actually say, here you go, take my donut. In fact, next Sunday, I'm gonna bring a donut for everybody in the room. If that's you, you might have the gift of giving. For others of you, you might step back or you might jump in and take charge. All right, here's what we need to do. You go get the uh, trash can. You, you go get another box. You go to Best Donuts. If that's you, you might have the gift of leadership. Some of you might be, man, Bobby, when I saw those donuts come tumbling to the ground, my heart sank for you. I thought, how disappointing. You ventured past tacos and you got to donuts and you dropped them all over. I hurt for you. If that's you, you might have the gift of mercy. Here's the big idea. Don't allow not knowing exactly what your gift is to paralyze you. Don't allow, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know, I'm gonna, I would encourage you to look in your life, where do you feel the most fulfilled and where do you see fruit come from it? And maybe, just maybe that's a way that God's wired you. Are y'all tracking with me? In fact, Adam Hagen, if you don't mind, would you come out here real quick? I got a box of donuts for you. I saw that you're eating well, so I thought I'd tempt you a little bit. Y'all give Adam a big hand. Now, I'm not saying you have to eat them all. You might have uh, some friends around you. I don't know. Put your gifts to work. Put your gifts to work. So number one, it's born in the spirit of God. It's got God's fingerprints on it. Number two, it's the basis for serving. When you're like, well, where do I serve? Where do I serve? Where do I serve? Well, find where you're fulfilled. Find where there's fruit. Find where you're fulfilled. Find where there's fruit. Just start somewhere. Volunteer somewhere. Maybe go to uh, Mr. Rhonda and say, hey, I, I don't know if this kids' men thing is for me, but I'll try for three months. I'll try for three months, and we'll see what God's up to. Maybe going to Susan Roebuck and saying, hey, I, I hear more about the PATH project, and we need more guys in the PATH project. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous. Is this thing for me? I'll, I'll try it. I'll, I'll show up for a season. I'll give it a try. Hey, I don't know. I don't know. And that's really the, my story. So I grew up going to church and there came a moment where I started trying to figure out how God wired me and it was through trial and error and it's through people in my life. And man, I began to find out how God wired me. Here's a third truth when it comes to spiritual gifts. Not only is it born in the spirit of God, not only is it the basis for us understanding serving him, but number three, my gift and your gift must be brought under supervision. It must be brought under supervision. When Paul's writing, he says in verse 16 that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I love how he describes the church. He doesn't describe it as a building and all of those sorts of things. He talks about it like it's a body fit together perfectly as each part of its body does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. He's saying we need each other. He's saying our gifts are connected to each other. He's saying, I need your gift and you need my gift and we need each other's gifts that when our gifts are put together, the body becomes healthier. The body becomes whole. The body begins to live out what God's called it and designed it to do. But when we take our gift and use it for selfish means, or when we take our gift and say, I'm not gonna do that today. When we take our gift offline, what ends up happening is we get frustrated and the body of Christ suffers because of it. 
It's similar to our physical bodies. If there's a part of our physical body that said, you know what, I don't want to be part of your body today. If I got up this morning and my spleen said, Bobby, I don't want a spleen for you today. <laughs> I probably should have Googled what a spleen actually does. I don't. <laughs> but just imagine, you get up one day and your part of your body says, hey, I'm, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to spleen by myself your body becomes sick. And too often what happens in our world is, our world, the pressure from the outside is, do your own thing, it all revolves around you, it's whatever you wanna do, whatever you wanna do. But man, when it comes to God's word and God world, man, our gifts are meant to be used within the body. And what happens if we disconnect, uh, there's a couple of practical things. One is if we uh, use our gift in an earthly sort of way and we become dependent, like we need to be needed. Sometimes there's people that they volunteer at a church or a nonprofit and, and it starts out with good intentions, but over time it becomes a badge of honor and they need to be needed and they end up getting burnt out and bitter. That's not a good thing. So that it needs to be under supervision. We need somebody helping us keep it healthy, but also when we use our own gift for our own means, that's not healthy either. I mean, history is full of people that have taken a God-given ability and they used it for themselves and God allowed them to use it because he placed it in their life, but they ended up using it for themselves and it leaves a lot of hurt people in the wake. And so that's why I say this gift needs to be brought under supervision so that we don't use our gift in an unhealthy way. And the last one, number four, is our spiritual gift is built through our spiritual lives. Our gift is built through our spiritual lives, through our devotional life. He says in verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. In other words, he's saying, look, at the moment of salvation, you become a spiritual baby. You're not fully grown yet. And the goal is over time that we would grow up. The, the goal is over time that we would take on more and that, that, that we would grow up. And he says this, he says that we would continue until we've come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. He's talking about this idea that we need to grow up. And the way that we grow up is through a spiritual life, that we, we begin to nurture our gift, that we begin to nurture our soul, that we begin to nurture what God's doing inside of us by spending time in his word, by spending time in prayer, by saying, you know, I wanna grow, I wanna grow, I wanna grow, I wanna grow, I wanna grow. That the way that our gift gets nurtured is by spending time in the word of God, spending time in the presence of God, saying, God, would you build me? And one of the great dangers is that if we're not careful, We'll spend so much time doing that we won't spend any time being. And what I mean by that is too often we get more concerned with how things look than how things really are. And man, I'm telling you, don't just work for God, add content to what you do, that our public service for God must not outweigh our private worship. Our public service should not outweigh our private worship. I mean, one of the saddest things is when somebody is a great worker for God, but a terrible friend of God. A gift without an inner life is a waste and we have to build it from the inside out. Let me tell you why this is so important. When I talk about this idea of your story matters, that your life matters, that there's something you are meant to do, too often we miss that. 
Too often we sit back and we think, man, somebody else ought to do it, somebody else ought to do it. And the world wears us down and makes us think, it doesn't matter what I do today, it doesn't matter how I handle this situation, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And I just want to remind you, it does matter. And one of the ways that you find fulfillment, one of the ways that you find fruit, is by saying, God, I want to unwrap this gift and I want to put it to work. Let me give you some action steps real quick and we'll wrap up. But one, I would encourage you to study what the Bible has to say about gifts. In fact, there's a website listed inside your handout today, sugarhill.church/ysm for your story matters, and we're going to be posting some helpful resources starting tomorrow. But man, I would encourage you to study what the Bible says about gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. I'll put all of these passages on there and we'll give you a way to dig into that. Number two, ask God to show you what your gifts are. I believe that your heavenly father that has placed a gift inside of you wants to help you discover that gift. And so I would encourage you to say, God, what gifts have you given me? And then begin to watch what he does. Begin to ask him, God, where do you want me to use these gifts? How do you want me to use them to make a difference? Number three, examine what you enjoy and do well. Examine what you enjoy and do well. Chances are your gift is not going to be a pain to you. Chances are your gift isn't going to be, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. Man, look in your life and see where do I feel fulfilled? Where do I produce fruit? That may be a sign that that's something that God has called you to do. Number four, you can take a spiritual gifts test. You can take a spiritual gifts inventory. In fact, this is one of the resources we'll post tomorrow, a little survey that you can fill out. Now, I'm just going to warn you, sometimes we're a little optimistic when we fill these out about ourselves. So when I filled, filled this out a couple years ago, I was really optimistic. And so even if something wasn't true, I wanted it to be true. So I gave myself some extra points. Have you ever done that on those assessments? And so I was really, well, I don't have that one, but I want it. And so by the time I got it and I scored the results, it's like, you have every single gift. <laughs> you are God's gift to the church. And then Laura's like, no, you're not. She didn't really say that, but it may be, it may be wiser to have your spouse take it for you. I don't know, maybe there'll be more. But it is a way, it's not the only way, but it is a way to start paying attention to what are the top two, three things that keep surfacing in my life. And here's the last practical takeaway. Number five is do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. What is that prompting he's placed inside of you? What is that broken thing that you see in front of you? What is that thing that you get riled up about and say, man, somebody ought to do something. Somebody ought to do something. Why is nobody paying attention to this? Why is nobody doing it? Maybe that's a sign that God's placed something on your heart that you're meant to do. Your story really does matter. Your life really does matter. And one of the ways to live the life that God's called us to the fullest is to say, God, I wanna discover your gift and I wanna use it, not for myself, but for the service of others. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you'll be more fulfilled and the church will be healthier because of it. Can I pray for you this morning? Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Would you close your eyes? Man, I wanna pray for what God's doing this morning. And as I pray, I do wanna remind you that my hope is that yes, there is good information today, but really my heart is that there'd be some application, that you take this idea and you begin to live it out. Maybe for some of you, it's to jump on the website tomorrow and say, I'm gonna take that survey. I'm gonna take the spiritual gift assessment. Maybe for some of you, it's you're gonna talk to your family and friends over lunch today and say, hey, what, where do you see me thrive? What, what do you see that maybe I don't see? 
Maybe it's through trial and error. Maybe that next step is to shoot an email to info at sugarhillchurch.com and say, hey, I, I, I wanna talk to somebody. I wanna have coffee with somebody. I wanna, I wanna begin to just talk to somebody about opportunities and I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna try it out. There's something powerful that happens when we live a life in service of other people. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gifts that you place inside each one of us. Help us not take it for granted. Help us to not use it for ourselves, but that we'd use it in service of others and service of you. God, I pray that your kingdom would be better and your kingdom would be bigger as we live out the gift that you've placed in our hearts. Help us to live in such a way that our story really does matter. And God, would you help us to live a better story? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And before we head out, I'm going to ask Pastor Zach just to lead us in this chorus, lead us in the song, that we'd allow this truth to drop out of our heads and into our hearts, that we'd be a people that are like, Paul, I'm with you. Ephesians Church, I'm with you. I want to build up the body of Christ. I want it to be healthy. Let's sing this out. And we hope you'll have a great week this week. Let's lift this up.